usual, that was awesome. So how you guys all doing tonight? I love that. It's like an echo chamber. Hello, hello. There we go. <laughs> yes. Uh, I want to say right off the bat that I, I love this uh, week that, they're in, that we're in right now. And I particularly like preaching this week. Why do I like that? Well, because for me, this is, we're in a special time of year, this sort of uh, stop in between two places, two parts of the year. See, we're, we're bridging seasons in a sense in the church's march or rhythmic march through the year, and I love it. So we just finished our journey through Advent, where we were celebrating and, and acknowledging the coming of Jesus, or the fact that he came, as well as acknowledging the fact that he will come again. Woohoo! Right? We're, we're excited about that. These are special moments in the year that we set aside time and space to remember what God has already done, what he's doing, and what he still yet will do. Next week, it's the first week of the new year as we, we officially settle into winter and get back into faithfully, weekly, acknowledging God for what he's doing, looking to him for guidance in our service of him and one another as well as our community. Woohoo! Right? Like that's, this, is, this is good stuff. So today I want, I want to take some time though to discuss the moments in our life that God has used to shape us into who we are today and to where he's taking us. So to get us started, Sarah has asked, we have three teams that have been randomly selected. So if you are on one of these teams, uh, please come on up. You are the next contestants or competitors on Build the Monument. <clears throat> and uh, okay, so these three teams know what they're going to be doing, but just so you all know what they're going to be doing, each team is going to be given a set of blocks as well as some post-it notes, a set of blocks and a set of post-it notes, and they're going to build or be building a structure as fast as they can. I'm going to set a timer for two minutes, and so they're going to have a two minutes to either build something uh, to complete their blocks, or if they're not done yet, whoever has the closest to being finished They'll win. So basically, the way it's going to work is they need to build this structure, they need to take a block, uh, they need to take one of the post-it notes, and then they have to say or write down something that God has done in their life, something they're thankful for, something to commemorate. They need to take the post-it note, stick it to a block, place the block. And so the first team to get through all 12 blocks doing that way wins my eternal praise and high fives from y'all brethren and sistren as they come off of, is sistren even a thing? I don't know. It is now. Okay, so everybody know what you're doing? On your marks, get set, go. See, I made this up, so I have no idea how it's going to go. Okay, so far we have. Can you read Julian's writing? No, I can't. <laughs> I saw family. 
I saw fa- so family, that's something that we're thankful for. Ah, oh, peace. Kindness. Peace, kindness. Music. What else do we got here, guys? Floss. Say, oh, food. Sorry, it was a... <laughs> Reading's not my strong suit. That God has given me a family. See? These are all amazing things. Look at this. Clothes. I'm also thankful for clothes. You all are thankful. Chocolate milk. There we go. Forty seconds. Thirty-five seconds. Are you guys done? Oh, time. How's that possible? <laughs> All right, so team in the middle is our winner. Thank you very much, everybody, for... You guys did an awesome job. Do you want to read them out? Okay, so we're thankful for doctors. We're thankful for toys. We're thankful for friends. We're thankful for water, clothes, kindness, home shoes... What are home shoes? Like slippers? Ah. I need need to get me some of those. Loving people, music, family, and peace. Wonderful. Thank you very much, everybody. You guys get, as I said, my eternal praise. And should I read this one too? Okay. Family. Jesus. Unicorn Steffi, I'm also thankful for Unicorn Steffi, food, home, chocolate milk, and clothes. Clothes is a a theme I'm seeing on a lot of these. I'm also very thankful for clothes. I didn't know I was going to do that. All right. Now, what does building stuff have to do with what we're going to be talking about today? Absolutely nothing. I thought it would just be, no, I'm just kidding. No, it's gonna, you'll, you'll see it in, in just a second. That was actually a lot more fun than I thought it was going to be. Uh, if you have your Bibles here today, please turn in them to Joshua or Bible app or some sort of a, if you don't have a Bible here, but you'd like one, we have them in the, the front. And so they're our gift to you. You can grab one of those. They'll also be up on the front. So it's Joshua, sixth book in, Genesis Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, and we're going to be in chapter 4. So we're going to be reading the first seven chapters of this, but I wanted to first just kind of back up a little bit, back the truck up, and just make sure we all know where we're at as far as the uh, thing goes. You can pull this off, just so, thank you, just so we know where we're going. So God created everything, Uh, it was good, and then... It wasn't. Then people were doing what they thought was okay in their own eyes for quite a long time. And then along came a guy named Abraham. Abraham was the guy that God chose that he was going to take and create a movement through. That people were going to be blessed through him. He was going to give them a bunch of things like descendants. He was going to become a nation. He was going to be given land. And then he was going to be, the whole world in fact, was going to get blessed through him. So his... uh, 
people, like the people that came from him, ended up becoming the nation of Israel. Israel ended up going down into Egypt, became enslaved there. They were down there for 400 years in slavery. And then God rose up, uh, raised up a man named Moses. Moses then took them, and he, he was the guy that God used to get them out of Egypt. And then they came out, and, and the first thing they did is they went to a mountain called Sinai, and God gave them the Ten Commandments, this covenant that he made with them on how they can follow God. So they're given these commandments, and they're told they're going to be led to the promised land. But they goofed up. So they wandered around in the desert for about 40 years, and then they came right to the promised land that God had given them, to the edge of it. Moses gave them one last commandment, obey God. He tells them, you need to obey God, and then he dies. The book of Joshua starts with Joshua being the new Moses, and that is, he is the new leader of the, Isra- of the people of Israel. And the first thing he does is he reiterates what Moses said, you need to obey God. And then he takes some, some spies, sends them into the promised land. The spies come back, and the spies say, we're good to go, thumbs up, everything, two thumbs up, right? It looks perfect, we need to go here, we're ready to rock and roll. One problem, though, that lies between them and their promised land, this pesky little thing called the Jordan River. Jordan River, I, I, I fact-checked this as best I could, the place where they believed that they were trying to cross at this time of year, well, normally would have been roughly 100 feet across, anywhere from three to 10 feet deep, but this was flood season. So they were, as they approached it, it would have been a lot wider and a lot deeper. And so they approached it and they didn't know what they were going to do. But God did. God took care of it. He called on the priests, and the priests were to walk ahead with the Ark of the Covenant. And as soon as they got to the edge of the water, the waters receded, God held them back, and all of the Israelites, every one of them, crossed on dry ground. So they all made it across while God held the water back. Now, we're going to read verses four, sorry, verses 1 to 7 in chapter 4 of Joshua, as we are now all caught up. So, when all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where, they, where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. So there's one thing that I I really hope that we walk out of here tonight after reading that and then as we're going to go back through it. One big idea that's going to be able to, if we, if we take this seriously, if we apply this to our life, it will help us grow our faith, it'll help strengthen our faith, and then it will certainly help us live out our faith better. And that one idea is this, remember what God has done so we can be confident in what God will do. 
Remember what God has done so we can be confident in what God will do. We need to take, take the things that he's done that we read about in the Bible, that we've experienced him doing in our own life, in the, the lives of other people that we know. We need to take these things and we need to treasure them up. We need to know them and remember them. Not only that, but as new things happen, we need to talk about them, commemorate them, celebrate them. We glorify God because of them. And doing this will help us do what needs to be done as we love God and love others, as we plant churches, as we make disciples, as we train leaders, and so on and so forth. Now, we're going to circle back around, start back in verse 1, and, and read these again with that as our lens to look through. Sound good? What do you guys think? Two thumbs up? All right. So back in verse 1, when the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, take 12 men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, take 12 stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. So there's, there's two things I wanted to quickly point out in this first couple of verses, or first few verses. First, it's the entire group that passes over. It's not just a portion, it's not just a few, the entire one. Nobody got left behind. God didn't deliver in part, God delivered in full. The second thing we need to notice is it's God giving them the instruction to do this. They're not making this up, they're not thinking, hey, this is a great idea on their own. God is commanding them to do that. Why was this such a big deal? Well, this act that he just did. Well, because the Israelites had just spent 40 years, essentially, in the timeout chair. They had disobeyed God for not doing or not trusting him to do the things that he said he was going to do. And so they got 40 years in the desert. He had, at that point, he'd already brought them out of Egypt. He'd already parted the Red Sea. He was already giving them all the permission, or provision, but yet they still didn't trust him to do the things that he said he was going to do. So they had 40 years. Now, he's giving them one more reason on top of all these other reasons to trust him, to know that he's got their back and that he's looking out for him. If you were to, for them, sorry. If you were to go back and go into chapter 3, verse 10, Joshua spells this out for them. He says, here, so this thing that that you're about to see, this miracle, here, this is how you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will, without fail, do what he says he's going to do. This act is what is going to do that. So in other words, remember what God has done so that we can be confident in what God will do. Let's continue. Verse 4, then Joshua called the 12 men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed. You'll notice that this is, he's repeating himself. The author's repeating himself here, essentially. A man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel. And this is the key, that this may be a sign among you. So whenever we read the Bible and the, the author repeats themselves, it's for emphasis. This is, whenever you, you, you read a double up, especially through the Pentateuch, the first five Bibles, or first five Bibles, first five books, and now on into the sixth, when you read the doubling, it's because it's very, very important. This is important. Do this thing in the hopes that you won't forget the most important thing to remember. 
So remember what God has done so we can be confident in what God will do. That's what they're, they're, the point that they're trying to get across from us. One of the things I love about our community, uh, Central in general, and, and in particular in, in our community here, is we want to be a community, I think we are a community, that wants to help raise up kids who know God, who love God, and then love others for the betterment of all. I think that that's something that we want to be about here. And I think that, that we, we work towards that. And so because of that truth, this next part needs to, it needs the lion's share, I guess, of, of our attention. So Joshua says, this is halfway through verse 6, when your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. So the other day, uh, Caddy, our son, Cadman, uh, he walked into the kitchen and he was wearing shorts and socks and his socks were like pulled up really high. And, and, I, and I looked at him and I started laughing because I, I was like, oh, he, you know, he looks ridiculous until I looked down and I realized, <laughs> yeah, that he was imitating me. Like, but and I'm hoping he did it because he, thought it was cool. He wasn't mocking me, but we were, I think, literally wearing like the exact same thing. The shorts with these pulled up goofy socks, and it, and it wasn't lost on Sarah either. I think her comment was, good, cho- good job teaching your kid fashion. <laughs> Indeed. See, our, our kids are going to learn from us wh- whether we like it or not, right? So we, we can either do that, be intentional about it, or, or not, as a parent, I, I love the, the, I, the image. When I read this, I love the image of Cadman coming up to me and, and asking me these sorts of questions about why we do the things we do. Though I'm not too sure that he would actually, he would phrase it like this. I, like, I almost picture this kid with their arms crossed with like a pipe or, 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 or something like that, right? Like, what, what do these stones mean to you? Like, he, he, he would be more like, what's that, daddy? What's that? That would, that would be the, more, the way he would more say it. But we do. We want to foster in our children this quest for meaning, this desire to get answers. And for, for most kids, this is something that they come by honestly. They come by naturally, asking these questions. But these questions or, or the desire to ask them or the willingness to ask them can get squashed with impatience, I think. Sarah and I were talking the other night about playing 20 questions before bed. And, and for those of you with small kids, uh, or perhaps you've read something about this as well, you might know about it. But we go to put Cadman to bed, or I, I put him to bed, and all of a sudden he wants answers to all the little mysteries that are vexing his little mind, right? So it, it's like we had all day, right? We had dinner time. We're trying to foster communication, but it's, no, it's bedtime. Let's, let's get out the questions, right? And he just starts firing them off. Now, I, I, I have a choice at this point, right? Like I could get irritated and tell him to go to bed because, I mean, it is bedtime after all, right? That's, it's fair. It's, a, it's appropriate to say, no, it's bedtime. You could go to bed, or I could, I could take a few minutes and I could work through answering some of these, most of these questions with him and try to show him that it's okay to ask questions, that I want him to be able to ask questions, particularly when it comes to things of our faith, about why we do the things we do and what God has done for us. So I don't always succeed, 
Sometimes impatience gets the better of me, but I try. See, Joshua is encouraging his listeners to be ready with an answer for when kids ask about the rocks in particular in this one situation. But why bother? Why, why is he getting after that? What's the point? Well, the point is so that the community will continue to look to God for everything. That's the point. So that they can look at the, ro- the rocks and go, oh, that's why those rocks are there. God did this amazing thing, and so now this thing that we're coming up against that looks too big for us to handle, God could handle that too. Because he already did that. So they'll look to God with awe because of what he's done. In other words, remember what God has done so that they can be confident in what God will do. Because they still had a lot of things to do, Israel did. And so do we. We need to have that same confidence. So when we look at this, this applies to us by asking us to be ready when kids ask about the monuments or whatever it is that we do to create or commemorate, sorry, to create uh, moments or to commemorate the mighty things that God has done. But this doesn't have to actually be literal children either. In our community, there's always going to be people that don't know exactly what it is that we're doing for believers. They won't understand everything. And so we want to be ready to talk to them about it and to be able to give answers We want to encourage questions like these. We don't want to to push them away. Now, fellow parents, this passage, this part right here when it talks about talking to kids, is more more or less talking to us. But Central Community Church, contextually, this passage is 100% talking to us. This is talking... because. Joshua here, he's not singling out families, not singling out individuals. He's talking to the entire group. He's saying that everybody has a responsibility. We all have a responsibility to one another, to be looking out for one another. And part of that means bearing witness to God's great acts to those who come after us. And they may be physical children. They may just be new to the community. But we all have a responsibility to do that, to talk about God's wondrous works in our lives. And so that's why it's so good to have markers, for us to have markers that bear witness. This is why it's good for us to know the stories about all the amazing things that God has done, is doing, and then when he does it, we'll be able to do it. This isn't so we feel, just so we feel good. The stories that we listen to, though that's going to be a byproduct. But it's instead so that we can continually point to the one God who has made the miraculous almost mundane. That's a weird thing to say. Why would I say that? You ever wonder sometimes why, as a, as a community, if you've been in the church for any length of time, why we can sometimes get bored with stories of redemption or bored with, with changed lives or, or provisions seemingly out of nowhere or we start talking about coincidences or or things like that, it, it, it almost becomes humdrum. And if that's not you, I, I get it, but it is the case for a lot of people. Well, it's because we, I think as people, we're really, really good, we're great, in fact, at providing explanations for God's amazing acts that either don't give him credit or become kind of like watching a magician doing the same trick over and over and over again. It's like, yeah, that's my card, 
right? I, you know, I get it. Like, it's, it's getting old. Sadly, this can just be the way our fickle hearts start to think about God and his amazing acts. So one way to combat that is through either creating or repurposing something to commemorate the event or doing something to commemorate the event. For example, when I first sobered up a number of years ago, I I had a lot of piercings. And so uh, I wore them all through the first, my recovery house stage, which is like seven months and then beyond it. And then at about the nine month part, I went to uh, Guatemala on a mission trip. I've talked about this before, a couple weeks, or like last week. And while I was there, uh, when I got there, they said, well, you have to take the, the piercings out. And I said, okay. Now, at this point, I'm not making any value judgments whatsoever. I'm not saying piercings are good or bad. But at this point in my life, I had come to the conclusion that the piercings that I had, they were no longer me. They, in my mind, they started to represent this person that I used to be. So while we were on the trip, we went out for lunch uh, on a volcano. We were hiking a volcano. And so we stopped for lunch at, at one point. And I had had a plan. I knew we were going to do this. And I just kind of hoped it would work. So immediately once everybody sat down to eat, I started walking around and looking for a hole. And so I, I found one. There is mol- like hard molten lava rocks that we were sitting on. But then I found a hole. And at the bottom of it was molten lava. So you probably see maybe where I'm going with this. So I, I, had, I, I had taken out the hardware, uh, my piercings, and, and so I had like the hoops and the, the stud and, and all that stuff. And I sat down and I had me a little prayer session, a little ceremony with God. And, and, and I prayed to him and I thanked him for taking me from where I was, gong show addict, like crazy guy, hating God guy, to where I was. And, then I, and I was just asking him to continue to do that work in my life. And then I took the piercings and I threw them in the lava. Have you guys ever seen Lord of the Rings? Like, have you watched that, The Return of the King? There's a, there's a, there's a part when the, when the ring goes into the lava. And it looked like that. Like it went on the lava, the, the, my piercings went on the lava, flamed up, and then melted into the lake of fire. It was totally awesome. But that was my way, that was a ceremonial way to remember what God had done in my life so that I could be confident in what he would continue to do in my life. So it's moments like these that we can create to take these so-called mundane acts of God and infuse them with specialness. Now, I I want to be very, very clear. God's works aren't they're not mundane they don't need they're they're very very special on their own and so don't hear me at all saying that we need to somehow supersize them all i'm saying is that we are we contain within us a fickle heart and god knows this this is exactly why he commanded joshua and the israelites to do this because he knows that our propensity to forget the amazing things that god does is really high, right? It's really, really easy for us to forget these things. So, ask yourself this question. We won't, we won't, we're not going to play Q&A here, but just ask yourself this question. What can I do to commemorate the things that God has done in my life? Our passage continues. 
So when it, the ark, passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. Can anyone tell me, kids, do you guys know what the ark represented? Does anybody know? Basically. It's, it represented God's presence here on earth. So it, like, it had an actual function in that it carried stuff, right? Like it carried Aaron's staff and some manna and the tablets for the Ten Commandments. It, it carried that. But, but otherwise, it was a gold box that was a representation, a symbol, a, for in a lot of ways, a manifestation of God's presence on earth. So it wasn't God's house. God didn't live in it, or I guess more appropriately, it wasn't God's travel trailer, right? That, that was kind of cruising through the, the wilderness, and God was just in it. But it was the, the representation of God on earth. It was where the two realms, heaven and earth, so to speak, met, and so I really want us to get this imagery of what was going on. Because when we, when we can see this, it's, it really helps us see how amazing this was. So uh, the year Sarah and I met in 2010, we were in Poland. And neither one of us, if, in case you've never heard that story, are Polish. Just Someone always thinks that one of us is from Poland because we met in Poland. But we're not. She's from Quebec. I'm from BC. So anyway, when we met there, we did a kids camp. And we did a ton of skits like the, the fun Christian skits. And so one of them, I was playing God and Sarah was playing humanity. And so I created her and I created everything else and you know we dance and everything is, is awesome. But then all of a sudden the cares of the world start coming along and start to lure her away with things like greed and addiction and idolatry and all that stuff. So I kind of go off to the side and she goes over there with them and it's really, really sad. But I don't leave her, right? And then so at one point during the skit, she acknowledges the fact that she needs God. Humanity needs God. And so she calls me back. And so this essentially is the book of Judges, right? She, she cries out and I respond. I come in and imagine she's standing right or sitting right here. And all of the uh, people are like trying to get her. I jump in and I go in between her. And so they're still trying to come down. They're still trying to get her, but I'm holding them back. And now, at this point in the skit, this is, it is so beautiful, this part. Because if this person it does their job right, there is a sense of relief, right? They can, they can breathe. They can slow down. They're safe. See, the danger was still there, but she's no longer in danger from it. Our life in Jesus is a miracle. It is a miracle in that God stands between us and this tidal wave of sin that is trying to crash down on us. See, we don't see, we can't see that our spirit suffers. Our spirit suffocates, it drowns in the alien air of sin, So we can often attribute that suffering to something that may only be a symptom, but not that root cause. The freedom of Jesus is being able to breathe the fresh air of righteousness that we receive through faith in Jesus. 
So as they were passing over the promised land, as the Israelites were going, they had no understanding of what the future was going to bring, other than they had God's word that he would make sure that they would possess it. But they were people just like us, so God knew they needed something tangible to cling to. So he gave them reason to believe in him, reason to have faith, and then told them to build this monument to remember it. How do you commemorate that in your life? How do we remember what God has done so that we can be confident in what God will do? Because if we can do that, our faith will be stronger, our prayer will be stronger, our love will be stronger. That's right. Can you picture it? Can you, can you picture a world like that? See, when we look at life in God that way, I, I, and this is a kid's service, so I, I want to quote Princess Jasmine. It, it's a whole new world. It's a whole, no. I know, so close. Let's pray, guys. Father, thank you so much uh, for just, well, everything. Lord, and as we think about how you came and you rescued Israel and you provided for them this opportunity to commemorate the things that you've done, to know what you've done, to remember what you've done, Lord, we, we want to do the same thing. We want to remember the ways that you've blessed us. We want to remember all the work that you've done in our life. And so, Father, we ask that you help us do that. You quicken it to our hearts and our minds. But then as we continue to, to serve you, keep it at the forefront. Give us, empower, give us the power. Empower us to be able to serve you with all we can so we can impact our little corner of the Eastern Fraser Valley. For your glory, we pray.